This is Jacob Ewing with the AWC City Voice Podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. Today, we're trying something a little bit different. Due to COVID-19, AWC moved its annual conference online to a virtual format. We had a few live sessions available to attendees, as well as several pre-recorded on-demand sessions. For this episode of the City Voice Podcast, we're going to be playing some clips from one of our pre-recorded conference sessions entitled Rethinking Local Government After COVID-19. During this session, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with three city leaders. From Kirkland, we had Mayor Penny Sweet. Mayor Sweet has served on the City Council since January 2010. The City of Kirkland is located in King County and has a population of around 90,000. Councilmember Jennifer Robertson is from Bellevue and has served on the City Council since 2009. Bellevue is also located in King County and has a population of just under 150,000. Paul Simmons has served as the Director of Parks and Recreation for the City of Olympia since 2013. Olympia is Washington's capital city and has a population of about 53,000. Our discussion during this session focused on the COVID-19 crisis, as well as the challenges that cities have faced over the past few months, actions that leaders took to address the pandemic, and what these leaders hope to see in the future. After our introductions, Mayor Sweet started things out recounting her experience managing the COVID crisis in Kirkland, where one of the earliest and largest COVID outbreaks took place in a local long-term care facility. When the life care situation evolved, we were completely caught off guard. Within 24 hours, we had activated our EOC. We had begun reaching out for answers, and there weren't a whole lot of answers because public health had not been set up yet. The emergency response was basically being managed by Kirkland Fire Department in close association with EMS and King County. We immediately had 18 firefighters put on quarantine. Uh, We had to set up areas for our firefighters to quarantine away from their families. We also had to set up areas for firefighters who had symptoms to be in isolation. We were actually a learning lab for the whole process as we were going through it. We had an incredible amount of, of national media interest So we were constantly being interviewed for for various media outlets. The newspapers were here. We were the first. It was pretty exciting. But it was it was an unnerving time because we didn't have a lot of a lot of not that it wasn't support. It's just that things weren't organized in a way that happened within a week. By the end of the first week, the CDC arrived. So we had the CDC once the CDC got into place. We started getting clear direction. They had and, and communication between the CDC and public health at, at Seattle King County. They had to set those lines up. It took a little bit of time. So besides having a state of Washington person at our EOC, we also had CDC move into life care and and public health was also a presence in our own EOC for a time. Then the hospital started filling up and we had to work directly with, with the administration up there and think. God for uh, King County EMS, uh, the chief down there was really helpful in setting up an emergency system for us to assure that we could get patients placed in other hospitals. Mm-hmm. We closed City Hall on March the 17th with a minimal staff at City Hall and continued to operate our EOC combination of virtually and with the main physicians each having at least one individual in the EOC. It was an interesting time for us, and I think we learned a lot. I wish I had kept a diary. I would have had something to write in it every day. COVID didn't just stay in Kirkland. 
On February 29th, Governor Inslee declared a state of emergency, and then on March 23rd, he closed all non-essential businesses and banned all gatherings. These closures saved lives. However, Washington residents and businesses were severely impacted. We saw record high unemployment occur in just a matter of weeks. Many businesses lost all of their revenues, and cities were grappling with how the pandemic would impact their ability to continue services for residents. Through all this uncertainty, though, cities took creative action to support the quality of life their residents needed during the pandemic. During our conversation, Councilmember Robertson recounted what it took to develop and launch an innovative program to get residents out and moving in their neighborhoods. Bellevue Healthy Streets pilot project has uh, been a big success. It reflects the city's interest in making sure that people can get outside while social distancing. So what we're doing for the healthy streets is we're not closing streets, but what we are doing is we're closing the streets temporarily to non-local vehicle traffic. So that means that you can't use it to connect from, you know, one side of the city to the other. But if you live on that street or you have a, you know, a, a service call to that street or a police call to that street, that those vehicles can still go down there. And what we're doing is we're setting them up with drive around barricades that say this is a healthy street, local traffic only. And it's allowing people to walk more comfortably, bicycle more comfortably, um, while still not, like I said, shutting down the streets. We implemented this really quickly with a very low upfront cost for materials, basically just the A-frame type, larger A-frame type signs with notice boards that I think were handwritten in most cases. So they were very inexpensive, just came from our machine shop that we already had for street signs. Um, we and we uh, it took about two weeks to implement. We looked at where we thought that they would be good, where there's not a lot of drive through traffic, where but where a lot of people live. Um, and the impetus came from suggestions that were made to the city uh, on emails to the city council and through social media. We went two weeks. We notified residents with door hangers, mailers, social media and the website. And in the first phase, we closed two streets, which happened May 7th. Both were in East Bellevue neighborhoods, Lake Hills and Northeast Bellevue. And we watched, we set up cameras to catch what's happening there, at, to count numbers of people, not to spy on our neighbors, but so that we can see how they were used. And we saw that they were used very well. Um, so the second phase, on June 5th, we closed two more streets in Northwest Bellevue, uh, which is west of downtown and in Newport Hills. And we've been getting a lot of feedback on the pilot through the city council emails, social media, it's, as well as an online survey. And most of those comments, I don't think I've gotten a negative comment. They've been very, very positive. We also did an online survey, as I said, that was very positive in May. And we put video cameras in place both before we closed it in phase one and phase two. And we showed that the pedestrian volume, uh, since we made those local access to only streets, is 22% higher. Bicycle volume is a whopping 167% higher, and vehicle volume is dropped by 13%. So the other benefit of having this has been that the barricades and the signs also help slow car traffic on the street, according to residents, which makes them feel safer um, being able to walk in their neighborhood, etc. So we're continuing to monitor the pilot, and we're going to and we're going to consider making some of these changes permanent. I know that there's a number of neighborhoods that would love to have this because it's it doesn't cut off their access, but it slows down traffic and makes their streets safer. Because a lot of streets in Bellevue do not have sidewalks; they were built before sidewalks were mandated, and you know people walk on the side of the road, but 
a lot of people don't feel incredibly safe doing that. This makes people feel safer and helps them get outside more, and that's good for everyone. In Olympia, Paul Simmons adjusted a long-running program to be completely online, allowing mentors to connect with at-risk youth in the community and provide them with the opportunity to be with others, even with schools being shut down. Um, we've had for several years now a partnership with the Bridge Music Project, and the Bridge is a, a Olympia-based nonprofit that teaches youth how music and writing can be used as tools uh, to deal with life's challenges. Uh, many of the youth who participate in this program have experienced circumstances such as foster care, homelessness, and incarceration. And Bobby Williams is the the person who's the the creator and director of of the Bridge Music Project. And he really quickly, we have a contract with with um, the nonprofit and they do programming both within the middle school and then also um, out in the community. And he developed an online um, uh, songwriting workshop um, that he was able to roll out very quickly in early April. Um, and the way it worked is that the youth were provided with um, instrumental music and encouraged to write original music and share their stories and then they actually made videos of themselves performing the songs that they wrote and submitted them on Facebook. Bobby was also able to round up a, a group of celebrity judges which given the fact that everyone was shut down at home and, and his connections in the music industry he was able to get some impressive folks to serve as judges. Um, they had 12 youth uh, submit videos, um, 12 or I'm sorry they had 17 youth submit videos of which 12 qualified for free and reduced lunch and, and three had previously experienced incarceration. So um, I think that's one of the things I'm most proud about is this is a program that, that evolved very quickly online, but is also helping serve some of our at-risk um, youth who, who needed programming and something to do at a time when, when everything else around them was closing down. Um, the program had over 5,000 people reach, uh, um, uh, uh, had over 5,000 people um, have been reached through Facebook and um, it just it, it was one of those things that was great the songs were incredible they were relevant they were based on circumstances that the youth were dealing with and um, I'm just really proud of that program and how quickly Bobby was able to adapt and, and still serve um, the community that he's been serving for years in Olympia. Well it's only been a few months since the COVID-19 pandemic began our panelists shared some of their insights and lessons learned during the pandemic. Councilmember Robertson reminded us that it's important to prepare for the future and plan for hard times. I think the lesson is that things can turn on a dime. We had the best economy in my lifetime, and it, we were looking at a boom year. And with this um, COVID virus, all of a sudden, everything had to shut down. And it just goes to show that the system that you think looks so strong can be damaged, oh, you know, very, very quickly. Um, Bellevue was pretty prepared uh, for this year because we have very, very robust surpluses as a council policy. But this is such a big hit that it's it's going to exhaust um, the extra money that we had and take our surplus funds down below where we want them to be just to take up for the rest of this year. So I think that the lesson learned going forward is to always plan for something bad to happen, whether it's making sure that you have the safety materials like the PP&E um, or those crisis management systems in place for the emergency operations centers, 
etc. But also to make sure that you don't spend all the money you have, that you do save for the rainy days. Because one thing we know in the Pacific Northwest and across the world, rain does come. Next, Mayor Sweet talked about the importance of trust in ourselves and others, as well as the power of relationships. I mean, one of the lessons that I have learned in this whole episode really is is to trust yourself. Trust, trust council members, not just in your own city, but I've gotten a tremendous amount of support from other councils, from having continued meetings with mayors and council members across the Sound Cities Association system in terms of helping people out when things got really bad. Um, stealing ideas from other cities. Um, I think this has opened up communication channels across our cities that didn't exist before this. And I think that's a fabulous thing for us to build on. In discussing what he's learned during the pandemic, Paul shared a helpful mantra from the Olympia city manager. I think the biggest lesson, and and really it's more of the mantra of our city manager, Jay Bernie, first and foremost, stay calm. Um, You know, uh, we need to no matter how bad it gets, we need to process things and we need to stay calm in order to do that. The other thing that Jay has has, has really kind of used as a guiding principle is we need to stay in our lane. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a parks expert. I'm not a public health expert. And so I really need to know, figure out where those lines are. Where are my decisions that I'm going to make? And then where do I need to look to the experts and, and making sure that I'm not getting ahead of things and that I'm staying in my lane and doing uh, the things I'm supposed to do. And then, and Jay's always also been very confident all the way through. And his other motto is, you know, we got this um, and, and really express that confidence. And I think those three, those three lessons, stay calm, stay in your lane. And we got this have really been um, personally for me, what's helped me keep my composure um, and, and focus as I try to balance all of those things I described. I want to give a big thank you to my three panelists from this session. They provided unique insights and were very real about the issues that they faced as city leaders. The full session is just over an hour long and includes a lot more information and wisdom. I invite you, if you haven't already, to register for the AWC annual conference. Because it was virtual this year, you can sign up at any time and start watching any of the recorded sessions produced for the conference. Lastly, I invite you to follow the advice of Mayor Sweet and reach out to your neighbor and jurisdictions to see if you can share information and help each other work through this ongoing crisis. Working together as city leaders will help your communities emerge from this crisis stronger and more resilient than ever. Thank you for listening. You can find links to our annual conference in the show notes or by visiting wacities.org. The AWC City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. Please note that the audio clips from this session were edited for length and clarity.